This is We Listen to Records, part two of our Fugazi mega super episode party. I'm here with Matt. Yeah, my name's Matt. That's my <laughs> friend Jason. I'm in Brooklyn. We, we have rarely ever done a face-to-face recording, but uh, here weird. we are sitting in Jay's living room surrounded by records that we like to listen to. Two. You can't see it, but I just held up two <laughs> fingers. We like to listen to records. Two records. And we've got a guest today, our friend Michael J. Acqui. Mike. Hello. Here he uh, is. Bass player of the band Fun in the Kitchen back in the day, producer of Force uh, Productions Records, and a huge... Fugazi fan. <laughs> Epic. Fugazi fan. <laughs> Epic Fugazi fan. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate oh, of course. it. Big fans of yours. Oh, thank you. So as Stop Jay it. implied, this is episode two of our three-part yeah, Fugazi. Of the Full trilogy. Discography ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, so it's where, a trilogy. So, so, so we are, we've covered their punk period. They're like true punk period. They yeah. The, the 13 songs, which yeah. is the self-titled cassette in the Margin Walking cassette, and Repeater. And now we're moving into a, a part of Fugazi. We're talking about 92, 93-ish here. We're going to move into a phase where they start to transition yeah. into a different band. And Fugazi's transition is really interesting. I think um, you know they really evolve more than a lot of other bands that I can think of. Mike, you know, can you weigh in here? Like, What is your... This period of Fugazi, what was your experience with them? Well, you know, sort of starting being a big fan from the beginning, I was like, this is an awesome, awesome punk band. And then, you know, as I followed them, they they started to change a little bit with the difference of the two guitars and just, they really kind of started to explore the space. And I don't know if it was already there to begin with, but uh, these this, this packet of records that we're talking about, they they became so to me so multidimensional and uh, and and transformative um, as a fan that I just I don't oh know, yeah I was so I mean for away. me th- so the the first of what I think of as the three transitional Fugazi records is called Steady Diet of Nothing. It came out I believe in ninety two. Jay, you can confirm. It says it says July ninety one. Ninety one. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would have been about uh, fourteen fifteen when this came out. And I, I was two. You were two, yes. Yeah. You've, aged, you've aged quicker than the rest of us. Um, no, but what I remember is not liking this. I remember it came out, and I wasn't, you know, like 14, 15. This is like the late 80s, early 90s. Like, bands put out just consistent records. One Metallica record sounded like the next one. One Mama yeah, Crew sure, record sounded sure. like the next one. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you, you just got used to the idea that you bought one. If you liked a band, you bought their next record. It sounded the same as the last yeah. one with a bunch of new songs. Yeah. And Fugazi was, like, growing. They were evolving, and I wasn't mentally prepared to evolve with them. You, yeah. You, yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't want to evolve at at that age for sure. I mean, yeah. I think like, yeah, I wanted more of the same from every band, and if it changed at all, yeah, I was I was you, not. You resented. It was and, not okay. And, you and you and need steady. to come up with a new name. Like, if you're gonna do something else, be yeah. Pono for Pyros. Right. Don't exactly. don't call it another Jane's Addiction record. Right. You just have to start over. I mean, well, you can't. and Fugazi, what they're doing <laughs> in this record, and is, they just refuse. They refuse song to song to even I have. Mean, I I think a, if, a real if, like to the non Fugazi fan, to the non diehards, you're gonna. I think a lot of people would say this probably sounds a lot like Repeater, a lot like Thirteen Songs. But if you well, if you're in that mix and you're expecting a certain thing, this album delivers something different. It requires a lot more patience. Its highs are much higher, but its its buildups are a lot longer. And I think it's really demanding of any listener, but I think of a of a fan coming from Repeater. It's it demands a lot more. I think that they do keep consistent this the vocals to me for sure always feel consistent. 
in terms of like the, the way that they're recorded and the way that they're maybe approaching the, the recording of them um, as, as much sort of different instrumentation as they get into. So that, I guess that's always sort of it as something to latch on to. It's like you do have those like, it's not, not like screamy, but like just very like yelled, like a yeah. yelled kind of vocal. You know, totally, so. and and like they they are coming from that that three chord punk structure, yeah, uh, and that's that's what they all sort of made their bones on, yeah. And um, they were giving you little sneak peeks that they were offering more, even in their in, in, on thirteen songs. There yeah. were moments where you you heard interesting little kind of musical melodic things that they were doing that were different from punk, yeah. you know, straight up punk. And this album was just. I think they, they, they clued you in more on what was about to come. Well, Jay, could you back it up? The first track on this Unsteady Die of Nothing, Fugazi's third yeah. album, again, I'm fans, I know, but um, it's called Exit Only. Yeah. And one of the things that really shook me as a kid listening to this album is, is they use either made-up words, complex words, or like different pronunciations of words. Like they use, I think it's the Italian pr- pronunciation of this word here in, in this song. Wow. And um, and it's jarring because it's you can't just sing along because you're, you're like, it's not a chant-along, I know the word song. It's something else. Yeah. So yeah. the first track is called Exit Only, but if you could just, like, let's just play this thing back to front. Demands 
so much of the listeners. Like, this is not an easy song to listen to. It has payoffs as crazy high as Mike was just dancing yeah. in his chair. I was just watching. <laughs> but like, like yeah. the payoffs are huge. But the the you gotta earn every one of them. It's amazing. It's funny. This says this was their first self-produced release, so they didn't work with an engineer or producer really. And they were like, that actually kind of explains a yeah. lot. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I mean, just the way that you know, he's like, the song is called "Exit Only," but he's saying the words. He's saying "exit," but he's saying "exuda." Yeah. You know, it's it's so like exotic <laughs> yeah. and yeah. weird yeah. and challenging yeah. and like, I don't know. It's just they, they're just they're announcing themselves up front. Yeah. Like what you want easy, you want like right. our dumb right. like political chant alongs like not gonna happen. Yeah. There's <laughs> no there's no waiting room on this. <laughs> album. That reveals uh, the foreign accents reveal themselves later on. Uh, Red medicine. <laughs> Yeah, they true. <laughs> yeah, right. But even this, there's a track I forget what it's called later on in this album, where you know he's um, uh, uh, Dear Justice Letter, where there's like you know he's, they're using like ten dollar dictionary words. Yeah, you know? like they, they dug out the thesaurus. You know, it's like they're serious about this. Oh man, but you want a punk killer? Oh god, here we this go. is, turn this up. Rushing through everything with this guitar. Well, it's funny. I mean, do you think that that this is like kind of a reggae-ish or like baseline? Because I because I know like the Clash went that way. Like there was like that kind of history of. Like punk taking these weird influences. I don't know. That that sounded like a little slightly kind of. I don't know. A little, but they, I mean, but like listen to this like yeah. the, the the guitar work right here. This little like hit piece. Oh yeah, no, that's. Right, it's so that, like, that's so elegant. Yeah. And then three, two, one, punch in the face. Ready? And then you come in. This is what Fugazi does so well. <laughs> Giant highs, crushing lows, very little in between. And then just this like deadpan in voice that runs through the whole thing. And then he just like spazzing out all over. I mean, they're just, they are, they know what they're doing. Yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a shame when this album came out, I was not prepared to deal with it. Because it's it is different than Repeater. It is different than yeah. I mean, I think as an adult, I can see how they're they're connected. And knowing the arc of Fugazi that we're going to do in these these three episodes, I know where we're going. But at the time, it was like I don't know how to put it. It felt like they had fucked up. Yeah, sure. It, it felt like sure. they were doing a really good thing that I loved, and they started doing something else, and I didn't like it. Almost like a sophomore effort done that, but. Yeah, yeah. Or, it was or, amazing. Well, I mean, and you have right. to understand as a band, too, like you, there, there's a case for like, you have so many songs that you've been writing your whole life when music is new to you, when the whole experience is new, and you have that initial release with, with Waiting Room. That's like, yeah, well, you know, you've had your whole life to write that song. Now what? And, and now you get into where a band really gets, gets made or, or broken is in when the pressure is on, when everybody's waiting to hear right. what's, your, what's the next thing going to sound like. Waiting Room was awesome. Right. Uh, Smells coming? Like Teen Spirit was great. But like, 
Now when the pressure's on, you have to sit down and write something as good, or at least, or, or even, or maybe even like more challenging or more scary is to go, we're evolving, the four of us. We're, we're, we know we're not going to give you what you want. You have to hopefully be on, on this ride. But, but I mean, they, but at the same time, they, you know, cultivated that fan base. Well, that, was, think, that was like, yeah, we're on board. Of course, whatever you guys want to do, basically. I mean, it feels like that. Well, I think they were very lucky in that tracks, way. Jake, right? I think the track that threw most of us for a loop is called Latin Roots. Oh, it, great it, track. It, it's a great track, but yeah. for a Fugazi fan yeah. in this era, very confusing. I think mainly just should be politically charged. Yeah, yeah. There's just something about the structure of this song that yeah. I don't. It, it's pretty different. Yeah, yeah. And the way that, like, like Guy's voice works in the song, the way that the lyrics, they don't have that Fugazi staccato that you're used to. They, they yeah, that. yeah. Really, when we get into the, the sort of chorus part of it, but. but I mean, I think what I like about this record, what there are some amazing cracks on here that I've come to appreciate over the yeah. years, and it's their most political like, up up to this point. It's definitely their most political. Right? They'll get way more political later. Yeah. But, mm. um, it's like this moment right here, the breakdown. It really is it's that ah uh, that throws me off every time. <laughs> yeah, roots, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like it's so unpunk. It yeah, really yeah, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but I mean, it's still just as powerful, you know. And yeah. and they they like, I think this at this point they've abandoned, they've possibly abandoned like what punk is. Yeah, just sure. kind of by by definition. Well, I guess well, I guess by definition, punk is true individuality right that, that's the thing is, that's the thing that you ha- I have to keep remembering is like real punk is just doing whatever the fuck doing you what want and, and there's no you know all these things that you think of are just made you know happened to be 1977 or when it started right but like for them to 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 yeah to take their own direction and take this stuff in, in weird places and, and and having the credibility to do it too because you know it's, it's, it's Ian McKay like, he, like okay he's doing something I might not understand it I might not be in the same place in in his evolution, but I'm I know I should be listening to it. Right, right. Like yeah, for sure. Like you know if he's involved, you're paying yeah, attention. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know that anybody that says like, oh, he's a sellout and he's not punk is just fucking full exactly. of shit. So I mean, in the interest of time, <laughs> though, I do want to I do want to move us out of steady diet because we're actually yeah, about yeah. to get to much better record. Okay. But there's a couple tracks I just want to at least look at on this album, and I want to hear Mike. I want to hear your input a little bit. Um, I want to talk about Long Division. I was going to say, I think Long it's, Division is such the, probably the best track on this record. And, and as a bass player, one of my most favorite things to copy. Nice. I learned so much from that. <laughs> this is so good. And again, it's that build up to delivery. You got to earn this. Yeah. yeah. It's only two minutes long. Oh, man. Yeah, this oh, is so good. Less than two minutes. And, and again, everybody's so complimentary to him. Ian, Joe, yeah. Guy, yeah. and and Brendan. Who Brendan? We haven't really talked about how insane of a drummer he is. Absolutely yeah. amazing drummer. Yeah. Do you remember when they started bringing in that giant metal one? 
stage and the church bell. <laughs> the bell is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out the bell, that's, like, that's, that's a very key part of the argument, which we'll get to later. <laughs> wow. Who the bell does? Anyway. I think that's the thing that always that I always took away from uh, as as a very positive thing with Fugazi was that like the the instrumentation and the the sort of recording of of everything is so clean and and nice and then the vocals a lot of times don't feel like they're they have the same uh, attention paid to in a good way in a good way yeah right like they're very very raw very like you know, maybe screamed into a, a bathroom mic, you know what I mean, or something like. And I really appreciated that. Like there was a there was a not like uh, not too precious about the vocal, even though they they have a lot to say and everything else. But they they didn't like dwell on it and, yeah. and try to try to clean it up and make it nice later or something. Yeah, you know? a total nod to Inner Ear Studios. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wish we could talk about this one all day long. We've got two more to get to on this episode. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to round this out um, just uh, as much as I'd like to talk about a million. Dear Justice Letter, a very political song, yeah, right. Justice Brennan. Yeah. I'd love to talk about that. But um, why don't we just round this out with K-Y-E-O. Keep your okay. eyes open. The last track on the record, if you just need a pure fucking rocker that's going to take you out, let's just let's just hit this. Oh, what, what, Michael. My, my, wait, Michael spotted uh, something. Can we do nice new? Can we do both? Can we do Keo and nice new outfit? Let's do nice new outfit first. Track three. Um, this is amazing time. There are elements of this album yeah. that they're just—they're not—they're just doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, in your face. Yeah, and then they challenge you, and then they're just—they're. That's the thing. This is why I think of Steady Diet as the first of the three transitional albums. This is 
the closest to repeater, the closest to the 13 songs you're going to get. They're giving you that, like, punk thing that you want. But then in between that, they're fucking with you. They're, there's more patience. There's more expectation. There's more buildup. There's more complexity. There's more pullback. And, yeah, as a listener, it's like, I think maybe this is my most frustrating Fugazi album because, like, 60% of it is exactly what I wanted when I loved Repeater, and then the rest of it is, like, not there. Yes. It's it's the new thing that they're moving towards, but I don't know what they're moving towards yet. And so I'm just like, why are you, why is this not there yet? And then right, they give you a track right, like this, or right. KYEO, where they're just killing it. Right. And, and Matt, that's a very good point. <laughs> the... And 99.99% of the time when a band does that, I get annoyed. Yeah, yeah. But in the instance of Fugazi, when they did it, I embraced it. You were just, you were just in from day one on this I, one? Wow. I, that, that frustration, that, that anxiety from like album two to album three or album one to album two with Fugazi, it was never there with me. Mm-hmm. As a, as a as a musician and as a fan, well, because I yeah. I mean, knowing what's coming, yeah, and yeah. we were right. I mean, we're about to, <laughs> you know, we'll leave we'll leave. Uh, actually, Jake, can you just play a little bit of KYO? Yeah, Keep sorry, but I just didn't mean to. to no, no, it's only because this is a great track. A great but track. we really got to move on to Kill Taker and that dude. That's Woo! a whole other world. I just love this one because they're giving you what you want. wish we could listen to the whole thing but we really got to move yeah. on yeah all right. um so michael <laughs> any final thoughts on steady diet jay any final thoughts on steady diet is there anything that we didn't cover no no i i, I mean like i said this this one i don't have a big memory of uh, i think this one I, I missed completely in my most listening to stuff except for that one track i definitely recognize i mean i always recognize something of sure sure from being around it but uh but this, like, I, this, yeah, no, sorry. That's cool, Mike, <laughs> Michael. Any, any? Uh, I know you, you like this one more than I do. There, I mean, there's some great tracks in here. Yeah, and God, it's. I, I think the one thing that I would just say about this is um, Fugazi Live is different than Fugazi on tape. Correct. Fugazi Live is. Am- I mean, Fugazi on tape is amazing. There's nothing Fugazi like Live it. is incredible and. Um, 
Uh, if, you're, if you're listening to this podcast, the, I know that going to YouTube and watching videos is not in any way the same as seeing a band live. True, but true. You will get some tiny sense of the insane yeah. spectacle. Watch the ni- uh, 2001 Mass Art Show. Watch the 1995 like, Washington DC I would encourage the viewers to watch these songs and listen to these songs on YouTube mm. and, and just kind of get a sense for where they were transitionally. All right, so we're about to transition. Um, next up, Fugazi put out a record that, how do I describe this? Um, 1993, the album cover is just like a blank piece of yellow like notebook paper with some scribbles on it and like a little sliver of a photograph oh, the of Washington the Washington Monument, Monument yeah. in the corner. <laughs> and it doesn't really have any clear words or letters on it, so nobody really knew what to call this thing. And it is, in terms of Fugazi's transition, such a thing. Oh, my God. And it's become known, wow. officially it's known as In on the Kill Taker, which are the random words scrawled on the paper on the album cover. And this is deep, <laughs> deep Fugazi transition. Jay, let's let this baby roll. Turn it up. Okay, so in on the kill taker hits hard. Oh my gosh! There is nothing like this record. Like, if you love Fugazi, if you love everything about Fugazi, there is nothing like this record. Yeah, nothing at all. I mean, the thirty-three and a third books, yeah, Yeah. which are in no way the definition of what's good or bad or big or strong, but they tend to like cover the ones that are memorable. The for Fugazi, the thirty-three and a third is in on the kill taker. Which, as a fan, I when I first saw that, I was like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Like, in absolute dead center in their transition from one sound to the other, you cover this record. But man, I I remember when this came out, and my response to Steady Diet was negative. Like, I loved Repeater, I loved you know Marginal, like I wanted more of that. And then this thing hit, and I was like, "Oh, this is a, we're in a different world now. We're we're having a different conversation now." What do you think, Michael? Yeah, I'm just still. I, I can't. I, I'm so. I just. I can't stop rocking. <laughs> Jay's playing this in the I, background. I mean, Jay, did were, did were you aware of this when it came out? No, not at all. No, this this I only actually really listened to when I was reading this book because I knew we were going to talk about Fugazi. I, I so you're actually like like this week new to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, I, what, I, and what's your like fresh take? I mean, again, I think they do. They do. They have a lot of like punk with a. They're just intricate. They just have a lot of complexity that you can that I can definitely appreciate. And yeah, I don't know sort of you know where it lands in a, in an evolution, but uh, they just I don't know. Still, for me, there's always a feel of 
uh, 13 songs. It's always there. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's just in pieces now. It's cut up and it's like spread around. But like this track, I mean, this is like as good as Waiting Room. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Like as catchy, as like, as fast, as driving, thing, as, though. you know? No, knowing what's coming, and I don't want you to play them yet, yeah, but yeah. the last two tracks on this album yeah. are Instrument and Last Chance for a Slow Dance. Yeah. And just knowing what's coming. But between here and there, there's so many great tracks. 23 Beats Off. Cassavetes, yeah. a whole song about John Cassavetes. I mean, I just, <laughs> yeah. as a film professor, yeah, I just worship weird. this album for that alone. Yeah. 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 It's and, and what's really crazy is that they originally recorded with Steve Albini and uh, when they went to record this and they ended up like they had a great time. They made dinner every night. They had like the best time recording together. Really great experience from everybody all around. And they they were like on the road and like a week later they said, oh, let's listen to the tape. And they put it in, and they were just like, what the fuck happened? Like, this is terrible. And Steve Albini was like, yeah, it's not good. I really love them, but something happened. Like, it was too easy, or it was too comfortable. And they just trashed the whole thing and started over. Which is nuts, because I guess there exists that. I I, I was going to say, Matt, just to your question before about what differentiates this album, I think the producing was on a different level. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're used to... um, a very kind of bare bones, minimal, almost like Tascam four track, if you will, yeah, for, all, right, the, for right. all the old school people out there. <laughs> uh, 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 approach to analog approach, but th- I mean, this in on the kill ticker, what felt very, I mean, it felt slick to me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe almost a little too slick. Mm. Well, um, I mean, but you got to remember, like Nirvana at this point is huge. Like they have to compete in a different music market. Then you know True. the world really True. changed between. I don't know. Do you think they honestly? Do you think they honestly were like they looking in, at those things? They brought in fucking Steve and... Albini to produce the record. Like clearly well, they were thinking yeah, about that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, they brought yeah, in one of the so. biggest producers, indie producers yeah, in right, the world at right, that point. So right. I mean, somebody was thinking about it, if not the band. Um, well, no, but who I, else I, is there? Right? They don't have management. Right. They run like, their own I label. Mean, They're in charge. But True. you know, I. I there's got to be people in their life outside of yeah, the band who no, are giving sure. them advice. Yeah, and all, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just curious. It's got to be like, hard though. Who's gonna? T- who's who's really telling Ian? Yeah, and yeah. I mean, like, no, yeah. Like, I don't think anybody's. <laughs> well, what's doing it, that. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I don't know that much about Discord Records, but I know there's like a business manager who's like in mm. there with them and like, you know, all the details. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and then we'll talk about this, but around this era, Jem Cohen, the filmmaker, starts hanging out with them, starts filming them. Like, there's more attention on them. There's more influence on them. You can imagine if you're a successful band who's in the public eye, who's doing a very defiant thing, you know, you've got a lot of people talking to you. I mean, how much you listen to them, whatever, but, I mean, well, fucking, you know, who is Prince? Who is Michael Jackson to I have, think, like, random people in their house, like, yeah. whispering in their ear? I mean, that I think if, if anything, it's part of their evolution, right, is to go... Let's let's get somebody who's really skilled at the craft of engineering that we respect and producing and see what they can bring to the table. Right. Yeah. So I think that if anything, that's all it was. I don't well, I don't feel I can't imagine them sitting around going, we need to have a more produced sound because of these records that are really making waves. I'm not sure that people make decisions on the you know conscious I mean? level, though. I think yeah, okay. I think you're sitting around and you're like our little basement, you know, playing people's garage scene. Yeah. That happened in D.C. and Seattle and L.A. is now the thing, right? Nirvana blew it up. Everybody suddenly wants a garage band on MTV. Yeah. 
even if Fugazi didn't want to be on, on MTV, well, that's I think the thing. they were like, aware of the fact that they Like, I was thinking, what if, what if they get nominated for the, the, the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? They like fucking they, better. Like, but, no, but I mean, they wouldn't no go. Way they will. They, they, they wouldn't, wouldn't go, go and they, they wouldn't, wouldn't be, but like, so that's what I mean. Like, even if they are shooting for that stuff or, or well, aware of it, they're not shooting for it. They don't give a shit. They don't want to play. They don't want to play Madison Square Garden. I, mean, I don't they, think they, one life. They can't. Well, I don't think one mentality, like much less four or five people involved in this band. I don't think it's a consistent thing. I think you can be punk rock yeah. in 89. I think you can be caught up in the grunge explosion in 93. Yeah. And I think you can be like return to your sort of moralistic purism in 2018 like I don't think that continuity is, is wrong I don't think no. the possibility of them recording this record in the Nirvana era changes the fact that they were Fugazi in 89 and that they'll be like not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2018 I don't think any of those yeah, things yeah, are mutually yeah. exclusive yeah, yeah. Um, hey can we turn up Smallpox Champion yeah, sure. oh my gosh <laughs> Thank you guys again for having me. <laughs> this is so amazing. This weird chord bend oh. that's about to happen is amazing. And then there's gonna, so you're many get, examples you're of this. Get Honestly, it's like every song that they're. I really feel like if anything is a signature for Gazi, it's that. It's that we we're experiment we're treating this instrument experimentally, but then in the same you know in the next measure going back to, to uh, punk roots and and three chords and rocking. That, but that but is we have no problem with playing like the 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 weird harmonicy clingy parts of the guitar that nobody touches. Well, I mean that is a that's weird crazy. signature of, of especially later album for guys. Yeah, tour for guys that's, that's really nuts to me. Ian and Gee changing guitars four, five, six times within a song. Like changing out, like, like, like like Rhodey's like, well, like, guitar. Like Rhodey's because <laughs> either they're detuning them. Wow. Like on okay. stage, yeah, or yeah. they're playing different tunings of different songs. Okay, like, okay. I mean, for I know, the fans I don't know out there, about tunings and bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, I've yeah. seen them live enough to yeah. see like them. They yeah. switch enough. The wow, wow. E, uh, Ian with the SG and the, <laughs> with the, the, the Telecaster or the Rickenbacker. Oh, nice. Wow. <laughs> Wait, Mike, you've seen Fugazi much? Like, am I wrong about no, you're, the you're swapping right. out guitars? Like, kind of mid-song. They, they got a pretty really? good. No, they. I mean, I think they. That's. They tend to stick to it. I. For the most part, yeah. Songs, but but uh, they are switching it up and they're tuning it. They have a, they, they run a very tight, a very very tight show. I can imagine. I mean, I'm, I'm with the air conditioning of, off. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking. I'm looking at some things where they're like they're playing 250 shows a year. Right. That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, their tour schedules are vicious. That is insane. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, you're only charging five dollars a ticket. You gotta. <laughs> I guess. Man. Wow. Getting that Penske van. All right, so in on the kill taker, Mike. For me, yeah. this is not the penultimate Fugazi album because I don't think there is one. I think all seven are amazing. But I think if we're going to talk about the moment when Fugazi was punk and then becomes something else, I think you get to ride with them over the crest of that wave in this album. I think the first half of this half of this album and the second half of this album are totally different, just amazingly different. Absolutely, and, and this is, is truly they've. They've left Anchor. They've, they've departed mm. from where they were. From a um, from a producing standpoint, this is like much slicker. And from a writing standpoint, it's also much slicker. Um, I just think that it, it's it's 
it's a new era for them. It's it's a new it's a new outfit. And uh, and it, uh, it's, is it a nice new outfit? How sorry, the previous album. Well, yeah. I mean, also their topics have changed. I mean, they used to be very bluntly political, or sort of ab- abstractly social. Yeah, true. And like, there's tracks on this album, "Public Witness Program," yeah. right? Cassavetes is the name of the song. Walking Syndrome. Right. Right. I love Walking. <laughs> um, Can we play Walking Syndrome? Well, look we'll, we'll at that. Look at that. Before we do. Jake, so just for context, if you don't know, John Cassavetes was a uh, cinema verite director, the great American cinema verite director, um, who made these films that are about like brutal human experience. You know, he made Shadows, he made Faces, he made The Killing of a Chinese Bookie, he made A Woman Under the Influence, he made all of these amazing, uh, really direct films that are about like raw human experience. And, you know... Fugazi, who has never really touched on um, pop culture issues at all. They don't have any films about movies or directors or anything like that. They have a, a song called Cassavetes. It's, to me, like it, it blew my mind then. It yeah, blows right. my mind now. Yeah. Can we just, like, let's just, it's only two and a half minutes. Like, let's, let's play this song. Why don't you drag me right out? Past all the shit that I said I'm saying. Why don't you cut up my mouth? Wow. Thank you again for inviting me to your house in Brooklyn to hang out. This is so enjoyable. <laughs> Turn it You always think about Ian. You always—he's so front and center in Fugazi. You can't talk about Fugazi without Ian. But over the years, I've realized that most of my favorite songs are Guy songs. Wow. Margin yeah. Walker, uh. Cassavetes. <laughs> like he's so front and center in like, Latin roots. Like he's so front and center in all of my favorite. If, if I were songs. to have a uh, gay crush, <laughs> oh, I know, I know. You'd you, you let him. Can fuck I tell you about my my right. Guy sighting? Yes. Please. Yes. Okay, yes. So. All right, Mike's geese sighting. Okay, so this, we've heard that we've all heard the story a thousand times. I'm a huge no, fan no, of this man. No. So, okay, uh, uh, so I'm. Uh, this is a couple years ago. I'm on Houston Street in New York City, where we all live, 
and I'm drinking in a bar called uh, called Botanica, and it's like a you bar. It's a bar that you like step down into a lower level, and there's like this choice table where you can sit down. It's like a, you know a six top, and you can look up at people walking by in the street. And I'm there drinking with my buddies, you know, on like an after work on like a Thursday, and I see. <laughs> <laughs> Who do I see wow. but Guy Bichotto walking towards the F train wow. with two Whole Foods bags? Oh my god. And I happened to be <laughs> staring out the window looking up. He happened to be staring down. Yeah. And yeah. he and I yeah. met eyes. Wow. <laughs> and I like I like did like this electric shock drink spill <laughs> and he looked down and he just sort of looked right away. He's like, oh my god. <laughs> Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> so then I then I, I freak out and I like Leave the bar. Yeah. Go inside. Yeah. I wanted oh to be like, geek, geek. and he was long gone. Oh. And it was like this Bigfoot sighting. Oh my God. You know? All right, guys. Shit. Sorry about that. I just didn't mean to take your. There's, uh, there's so oh. much to listen to. Jake, yeah, can so you just give, give us a little sample of Walkin' Syndrome? But I do just to, just to put a I know, button on that gee, I think is my favorite yeah, vocalist yeah, yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Out of the two. I I, I agree. With, I, like the, but the way that Ian and Gee like layer. Yeah. Is what makes this band work. I don't. I would not listen to it if it was just I, Ian, and I would not listen to it if it was just Keith. And I think he's a better performer, actually. Just like out now, just if you yeah. look at them live, he's he's the yeah he's the front man. He's the energy. He's the showman. He's the, yeah. the throwing he's the, the hype into the crowd, spass man, like crazy dude. Do you um, does, does either do either you know about how they sort of met to begin I, with? Like I, honestly, does I don't. That dynamic I mean, everything have, I've ever read or yeah. any, it's just sort of like DC scene. Yep. Yeah, you know. To, like people who are interested, Henry Rollins seems to be yeah. situated somewhere. Sure, um, but yeah, like there's the we haven't even gotten to the whole nation of yeah. Ulysses, oh, right, boy. right, right. And but no, Guy was late uh, was a later acquisition, if you will. Okay, but he okay. was he was aware of Fugazi. Was around he, and he was right to spring predate Fugazi? Yes, he was, yeah, yes. he was in Rights to Spring before Fugazi. So, but he and, joined but up Ian with was so famous from Minor Threat, right? Yeah, right. And you know, and that, sure. and that was blown up in that time. Because I mean, for, was it, was Fugazi it, is is way after what we think of as American punk, right? Black Flag is eighty three, eighty forty five, right? And Minor Threat is around that time, eighty five, right. eighty six, and Fugazi doesn't really hit until about eighty eight, eighty nine. Yeah. So it's it's developed much later. This is a this is a an offshoot of what we we kind of think of as American punk. And it's coming out of DC, which yeah. at the time was not there a, was no scene, there, not right? a scene. I mean, um, I, mean I know. Uh, uh, well, there there was the like the. Bad DC brains hardcore and, scene. Right. There was right. like, you it, know, was, it was very local. But, but I mean, I really do think, and this is just an educated guess on yeah. my part, but Rollins is really famous from Black Flag. Yeah. His best bud from back home is Ian. Yeah. And like, there's got to just, there's there's a sort of growth arc there that you can see happening. Um, but yeah, so what did, happens did, did you see think... when they when they form Discord yeah. and they start, you know, yeah. I mean, the, those early, I mean, I mean, we could run through the list, but I yeah. mean, a few of my favorites would be Nation of Ulysses, Lungfish, oh my gosh, Severin. I mean, there's so many really yeah, good yeah, yeah, bands yeah. coming yeah. out of out of. But what, was it was it essentially uh, Bikini Kill? Yeah, like Minor Threat disbanding and then Ian looking for another project, or do you think it just kind of happened with these other bands, sort of similarly? Looking for the next thing, and then they. I'm just curious. Uh, I don't, he's spoken really about like, it a lot. I don't know. There's so many documentaries about like yeah, the, right. the, the beginning of the DCC. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, and we he, haven't. He really, goes into it. We're not going to have the time on this podcast yeah, to right. talk about <laughs> instruments. Very good the, question. The, the, the film that Jem Cohen made about yeah. uh, Fugazi, sort yeah. of recording uh, an album we'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, they they go into it, but honestly, I rewatched Instrument recently, and 
nobody is really clear about the formation. It's just sort of like, oh, we met, we were friends, yeah. we knew these huh. guys, we did this thing, we were all in different bands, and right. then we started hanging right. out. Right. I don't know, and when I think back on like our friends when we oh, were in yeah. college, when yeah. you think about how your band formed, it's just sort of like right, right, right. you knew people who were interested, and then yeah. you hung out one day. Exactly. All of a sudden, you're in a band. I mean, it's not, you, you don't even, you're sort of like hanging out and playing music, and then you're like, okay, then, this is a thing now. I, I was at summer yeah, camp, yeah. and then I was the drummer in a band, right. and 20 yeah, yeah, years yeah. later, I And then you find Dave Norton, you know. You know. I, just, I just wondered if it was yeah, sort Dave of Norton. Ian Norton. I was just Props curious if it was Ian McKay or Brendan sort of going... I'm, I'm searching for a new thing, and I want to bring you with me. You well, know what I mean? I, like I mean, that, I, I like imagine, who was driving in the beginning? I don't know. Well, that's the thing. I, don't, I have no facts to back this up. Right, but I right, imagine right. if you've got Ian from Minor Threat, yeah, he's, who's like, I want to be in a band. Yeah. He can pick and choose the yeah, best people, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he can yeah. pick the sound. That's what I think, too, but like, I, I don't I, know. I, I, the question I have, it, well, the, the, well, hold on, the, the, the question I have, and the, the thing that I always wonder about, because what's so unique, absolutely unique about Fugazi, is the interplay between Ian and Gay, right? Yeah. That had to be a decision. So at some point, mm. Ian was like, I'm not going to be the only frontman. I'm not going to be the only vocalist. Yeah. I'm not going to be the star. Like, at some point, because he was famous enough right, in right, the right. punk scene to right. make that call... He could have just been a Henry Rollins and yeah. like left Black Flag and formed started band started the, the like, uh, Ian McKay three. yeah the Ian McKay four and we'll <laughs> yeah, do yeah, like yeah. jazz punk or whatever instead of like, Gang like, of Four the Ian like, McKay four so like I don't know what happened but at some point those two guys agreed to dual yeah. front a band yeah sure and to share the stage and to share the credit yeah. to share the songwriting to yeah. share the so I don't know yeah I don't know what that conversation was like. But I mean, they put that's out very seven unique. amazing, unique yeah. albums. And that, well, that's very unique to a punk band, a band. Period. Is that strong, fronted by two really unique voices? Like yeah. that's pretty crazy. I mean, I, I can't think of another example of yeah. that. Well, thankfully they did. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. thankfully. Yeah. Well, I, I not even. Well, I guess like you're saying, not the even close to the same level, but agnostic front is the mm-hmm. only like other major dual fronted. Punk yeah. Band yeah. Band okay. Band. Okay. Yeah, and you know, not even, you know, generally we think of Glenn Danzig, right? Right. Johnny Rotten, right? I'm sure. Um, Let's let's as much as I want time as I want to spend on Kill Taker. Let's. uh, I want to hear instrument. Okay. Track eleven, because this is this is the the last two tracks in the song on this album are really how we how we transition, how Fugazi we really are going to go. So, yeah, that's it. We need a little 
This is amazing. <laughs> okay. We're just we're yes. looking at the clock. We're thinking about things. <laughs> it's amazing to be here. We gotta go to the store and buy more beer. It's amazing. So, uh, Ian, he, the Joe Brandon, we are yeah, <laughs> we are Everybody. so fucking into what you guys are doing. Yes. Uh, we hope that you're into the fact that we want to talk about it. We are not making any money off of this podcast. We're not trying to make any money off of you or your hard work. Um, so you know, hopefully we're cool. Please don't bring lawyers into this situation. Um, However, have they ever sued you, anyone? Has there ever? Well, I guess I maybe, right? If, I mean, Fugazi no, you know what? Well, I know that Minor Threat sued Nike because they had some ad that was like, "Oh, right." I remember that. Anyway. Well, we're not Nike. <laughs> no. We're not. We're not. I don't, we don't have I any don't sweatshops in China that I know of. <laughs> Nobody's told me about the I sweatshops. Just, <laughs> Jay, have, are you running sweatshops in China? Okay. Yes. Uh, so, if you want shop. us to dig this down, just let us know. We'll be we'll be cool about it. Um, Jay, how do people get in touch with us? Our Twitter is at we listen to one. Instagram at we listen records. Email us at records at harveyloveshargy.com. And if you are at your grandparents' house and they're on Facebook, you can also find us there. I think we're on there too. Somewhere. Yeah, probably. Go, just go there. Um, your all right. Normally, this is the part of the show where we pick the albums for the next show. But honestly, we've gotten through four out of seven Fugazi records. We're actually behind schedule in terms of what we're planning to do, but this shit is so fucking good. Michael Equi, you're going to join us again. Is that correct? If you will have me, my yes. friend. Yes. Beer is cold. Whiskey is warm. Ice <laughs> is nice. Um, oh, all right. Well, well so we're going to wrap up this episode. Come back next week for more Fugazi. We're going to power through this entire discography. Yeah. We listen to records. Jay, can you send us home? Yeah, which last track? chance for a slow dance. Oh, my goodness. My favorite... Fugazi song of all time. Wow. Turn it up. 